0: We're in Genesis for the 46th week tonight. If you want to get like set up, we'll be in Genesis 41. So you can stay right, right there in the front of the Bible there. Genesis 41 is the chapter we'll be in tonight. Uh, but let me catch you up for those of you that have missed. We started with nothing in the beginning of Genesis, but God. And then God created everything. That's the first big C of, cre- of Genesis. Creation. Then in Genesis chapter 3, something comes into play. Uh, man's selfish. Pride seeking to be God brings about the curse. God curses his creation. What was was a good creation, he curses as it falls into sin and depravity. And then God brings about the next sea over the course of a couple thousand years to Noah and then to Abraham. And he brings about the sea of covenant, all right? Father Abraham, okay? It's the beginning of God's covenant with the people of, of Israel. Uh, really the beginning, pointing back to, of the Jewish nation. Also, Islam will point back to this time as well. Also, Christians point back to this time. So Abraham's a big deal guy. God covenanted with him and became very important for a lot of people. God covenants with Abraham. It's our third big C that takes up most of Genesis. And from Abraham, the covenant passes to... I'm That wasn't a Paulist dramatic fact. What do you guys think? Abraham to... Isaac. You guys are all scared. Like, wait, there's so many names. Abraham to Isaac. From Isaac, the covenant passes to Jacob. Good. Jacob gets his name changed to Israel. destination the nation of Israel and the Israelites. Good. You guys are paying attention. Kind of. Are you asleep? Do you need to stand up and do jumping jacks? This is something weird? We're not a big church. We can do weird things. I mean, I, mean, I guess so, because that's what Elder John said. <laughs> just No? You're awake? Are you sure you're all awake? You now we have one person that's sure they're awake. So all right. <laughs> we get to Jacob. Jacob' makes his name changed to Israel, all right? And he has how many kids does he have?: A lot. <laughs> More than one. No, really, come on. Tell me, how many kids does he have? In sum total. Thirteen, Thirteen right? Good. It's good. You guys got that right. And we're focused on one child's name, particularly, one child, particularly, this past several weeks. His name is. Joseph. Interesting. There is no tribe of Joseph. Did you you ever realize that? It's 13 kids, 12 tribes of Israel. There's no, and the tribe of Joseph. It's because Joseph played a very different and very important role in the covenant process, and that's why we've been talking about him. So let me catch up on Joseph's life real quick, and then we'll just get started. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is an introduction. Joseph was born, and his dad liked him. Pretty much that would happened. He got a fancy coat. He was put in charge of things. Um, it's very possible that you know, he was the guy that was reading scripture on worship days when the family came together to worship Jesus, Yahweh, and, and you know he was, he was the favorite son. It's very possible that he was also the son that worked the hardest, took his job the most seriously, and maybe there's a reason why he was in charge of things. Um, but either way, his brothers hated him for it, right? he was daddy's little pet, favorite son. Right? So they really didn't like him. So they wanted to kill him. One of the brothers says, no, no, kill him. We'll sell him. Sell him to slavery. Make some money off him. Because he was, I don't know, entrepreneurial. So he sell, they sell Joseph into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. right? And from that point, he's a slave in Potter's house. Okay, We found out that he then goes to prison. And this is going to take up 13 years of his life. It's going to be 30 by the time when we enter this story right, right now. So he spent a lot of time... Not doing his own thing, right? He actually spends from 17 to the age of 30. So he spends that whole chunk of life where we're like, "Hey, go ahead and do whatever you want. And have a great time. party, get trash, get plastered. Don't know what happened last night. You know just do that. You know, Have sex with people. There's lots of people and things. I don't know, right? Weird. It's really That's that age in our culture that he is missing. age of our culture that, that our church is actually in, which is weird, again, I'll keep saying this. You are an anomaly in the church world. You don't exist. You're not there. But you're here, and we're thankful. All right? And and that's the chunk of Joseph's life that he has spent in slavery and bondage to other people. But the whole time, he has worked for God. Right? It's his covert mission. I don't know if you've realized this, but he is in Egypt. Do you know how many people in Egypt believe in God at this point? well one I guess technically because Joseph's there now so one he is quite literally all alone there is no church structure community around him right no family members he is it that trusts God it's like we, we really have a hard time finding that in our country especially that no one else would love Jesus like we do. Well, there's lots of people. In fact, this whole room's full of it. It's really good. We have a lot of people in here I know that love Jesus. So that's cool. And and Joseph was alone. And that's and that's his thirties. That's his twenties. I'm sorry. It's his twenties. Kind of depressing. Spends him in slavery. But he does it for God. So that's where we pick up tonight's story. Last week he interpreted two dreams for a for a cupbearer and a baker, right? And the cupbearer got restored back into Pharaoh's court, and the baker was killed right literally he was hung which probably wasn't like you're thinking hung like for the noose and stuff It was probably more like impaled on a tree which is much more gross when you think about it i mean neither is pleasant but right disturbing that was just a little added note bonus there for you all right. But that's where we pick up the story He's interpreted dreams properly And last week the point of understanding it Goes right into this week From Genesis 40 to 41 He is in our age demographic In a culture that is totally not for God Which is pretty much how we can relate to Joseph And in Joseph he does hard, silly, meaningless things to the glory of God and in that he is recognized for his hard work. And he's actually put in charge of things. Like he's the only prisoner that we know of that is also in charge of the prison because that doesn't happen, right? It's why we pay a whole system to take care of prisoners because they don't want to stay there, let alone care for the prison. Um, but, But that is literally what he's done. Because he loves God, he is serving even in slavery and imprisonment to God's glory. And he does it for... God. And so we have to see how, how suddenly, somehow, we in our culture, right, and the, the church, again, is a little subculture in the culture that is supposed to affect change, redeem, like Jesus, the culture around us, is supposed to reach out and affect change in the culture for Christ. That's what Joseph is doing. And that's how we really tied it back. We tie it back for our church and for our personal lives, they're supposed to be affected change. Redemption in the culture outside of the church, because the church redeems sex and money and you know, the medical field and, and research and the universities and, you know, uh, hard work. And we redeem everything for Christ that we use and manipulate for ourselves in our own selfish glory. And that's where we left Joseph. Still in prison after he interpreted James properly. And he was like, yo, cupbearer, uh, when you get restored, just remember me. Maybe, you know, throw a good word to Pharaoh or Somebody that maybe I can get out of here because this is like not I really wasn't supposed to be in prison I was falsely accused I was sold into slavery you know I used to be free in my land with the other Hebrews maybe you could just mention to someone right all right let's pick up the story there we'll start in verse 1 and we'll just read a verse so don't get too excited Verse forty-one says this: After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. All right. Well, Pharaoh's going to have a dream, but it's two years have gone by, and the cupbearer who was restored to his place in Pharaoh's court. Right? He's back with the king, right, in in the lap of luxury, drinking wine daily to make sure the king doesn't get poisoned. He can't remember Joseph. So, right? How does that make you feel when you get betrayed? Is he betrayed? Does he have a right to be, like, a little bitter, right? He had a relationship with this guy, took care of him, shared with him. I don't know how you forget that. I feel like it's a pretty seminal moment in your life. It's, like, restored back. You had a dream about it. The guy told you what was going to happen, and it actually happened. I feel like I would remember that. But he doesn't. He forgets. So Joseph's still there for two years. Thirteen years altogether as a slave. That's a long time, Right? I did 13 Years of Slave just to play off the movie title that won so many awards. So you'd remember that Joseph was in slavery for 13 years. Don't forget it. Now you know. 13 years he was in slavery. Two years have gone by since he had this cupbearer come back to Pharaoh's court. And Pharaoh had a dream. And we know that Joseph knows dreams. God knows dreams, and he, he does communicate them through Joseph. Verse 2, says this. And behold, there came out of the Nile seven cows. We're going to get the dream now. This is the dream. Pay attention. It's weird, all right? Seven cows are coming out of the Nile. That's weird already. Because cows, they don't, like, live in water, right? We're all on board with that. Seven cows come out of the Nile. They're attractive. That's also weird, right? I like, I like cows not in cow form, I find them to be very attractive when they are sizzling on a grill, but less attractive when they are not in said form. They are attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. Verse 3, and behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, I don't know, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows in the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows because obviously they were hungry, because they're thin, right? Ugly, thin cows. So the ugly, thin cows eat the fat cows that are attractive, and Pharaoh woke up, (laughs) because that's disturbing. What the heck was that? What was that about? I don't know, the fat cows get eaten by the thin cows, and the thin cows were thin. It's weird, I don't understand it. And like most of us, he woke up from a weird dream, and he said, oh my gosh, that was weird. Maybe he was freaked out. I don't know, maybe he got up. Maybe, actually, he's the pharaoh. So he probably told somebody else to get up and, like, check the palace, make sure everything was okay, right? I had this experience the other night. I was falling asleep watching a TV show, and I swore I heard something downstairs. Freaked me out. So, of course, I had to get up and go downstairs and check everything. Of course, by the way, everything was fine because all the doors were locked, and we were secure inside our home. So I go back upstairs, and I had to fall back asleep again. So I understand this, Right? So he woke up. Verse 5 starts, and he fell asleep, and he dreamed a second time. Behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. It's, think corn. Right? He's having a dream about corn. So I don't know what he ate the night before, but it was weird, because he's dreaming about cows and corn. He's dreaming about corn. Big seven plump ears of corn on one stalk. And behold, verse 6, after them sprouted up seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. This is really nasty, not really good corn, right? It's like the corn that falls off from the ground. It's been sitting there for a while. Only this is actually growing on the stalk. It doesn't make any sense. It's all dried out. The kernels are, ugh, it's just gross. You don't want to eat this corn, right? You're questioning whether you're going to feed this corn to the pigs. Like You're like, oh, this corn is gross. Let's get rid of this corn. So we got 14 years of corn. Now what's going to happen? verse 7 and the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears which again is weird because have you ever seen corn swallow anyone no takers that's weird swallows up the fat ears and Pharaoh woke up and behold it was a dream which you're good you're glad about because if it's not a dream that's that's weird (laughs) you wake up and that was reality you'd have a problem but that's a dream so this is Pharaoh's dreams they're pretty significant to Pharaoh all right. They woke him out of sleep. So in the morning, verse 8, his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. So what's going down here? Right. Weird dreams, don't know why he had them, but they were so vivid that they woke him out of sleep. Disturbing dreams. So he wakes up. Now here's a couple of, a couple of problems here. I want you to understand something. Pharaoh in the Egyptian culture is this deity he is, he is God. He walks by and people bow to worship him not out of reverence for the office but because they think he is literally a God. So when you have a dream, I'm just going to submit to you that if you are a God, you shouldn't have questions about the dream. That's the first thought because you should, you should know, you should probably know what's going on in the dream if you're the God. You get that? Make sense? All right. So then the second thought is he has to call people to help him with the dream. This is probably going to really challenge your deity if you're a deity. You have to call people in and help him. Now it says magicians, so I don't want you to think David Copperfield, right? They're not gonna like make the Statue of Liberty disappear. Right? They're not gonna like go into water and come out of some sort of crazy chains and box and be fine. Like and then like they never why they never never just swim up to the surface. They're always like appearing in the balcony somewhere else. You ever notice that? What's up with the magician? I don't understand. Like, not only could they easily get out of the chains and stuff, we're all like suspense-filled that he was gonna die, but then he's over on the balcony. Like, why didn't you just do it in the first place? It was a pointless trick. These are not those kinds of magicians, these are cult leaders. Okay, so when you see magicians, understand it's not like, oh look, they're gonna do a magic show. Look, there's birdies and rabbits. No, it's cult leaders, right? So in like the spiritual world, there's God and God's team. And then there's not God's team, all right. So these are the guys on not God's team, right? Demonic forces, supernatural forces—they exist currently in the world, right? People, you—they can actually you can do good things with demonic power. Did you? I don't know if you've thought of this, right? Satan's best trick is to make you think that God is a demon, right? That'd be a great if you got confused and started following someone because you thought they were God and they weren't. That'd be great because then you wouldn't be able to follow God, right? So that's it's so very true. And that's what these dudes were doing. But these dreams are so confusing that they couldn't come up with a good answer. And they're probably like spinning like BS answers to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's sitting here listening. He's like, guys, this doesn't make any sense, right? I know you're trying here. I don't know. I don't know, maybe... Maybe you should go out and smoke something because none of these answers are good. I'm telling you, thin, nasty cows ate fat cows and you got nothing for me. That's what Pharaoh's saying to these guys. It's the dialogue that's happening. So he's very disturbed and he can't get any answers. And I know that you can feel that way, right? I know that I can relate when I've had questions that I don't get sufficient answers for. It's unnerving. And it eats at you it just, and just it's like it just gnaws at you, like a little rabbit. It's just eating at you. It's not really like it's not hurt, but you want to know. And every once in a while, that thing pops back in your head like, dang, I don't know what that is. I can't think. What it's like when you can't get that song that you like, you heard that song and it's like, wait, what was that? What was that song? Right? Or the movie line that you want to remember but can't. It's actually my spiritual gift. I can actually remember movie lines pretty well. So if you have any help, you can just text me. But <laughs> it's not a spiritual gift. It's not a real one. It's a, it's a, it was a joke. Tough crowd. <laughs> so that's what's happening right now. So what's going to happen? Now we know a guy... Right, that knows a god that can interpret dreams really well. Same as Joseph. So something's going to happen here, and finally, finally, that that promise, right, that that favor that was requested is going to be remembered. You pick up the reading uh, in verse nine, and the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, "I remember my offenses today." You're like, wait, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. I'd be pretty offended if I was left for two years in prison, while the dude that was supposed to mention my predicament to somebody didn't. That's offensive to me, personally, if I was Joseph, right? So this is offense. He's remembering, hey, I didn't, I didn't quite remember that promise. I didn't get that word down like I should have. Verse 10, and he's going to relate to Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh, <laughs> when, when you were angry with your servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night the baker, and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. And there was a young Hebrew who was there with us. He was a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Right? And this is basically... And this is how... Like You're like, wow, God, couldn't, couldn't God just get Joseph out of prison? right? Well, God can do what he wants, just so you know. He's God. Um, this is actually perfect, though, because what he wants for Joseph is something totally different. And we know, we, we already know this. When we started Joseph, we read Genesis 50, right? Verse 20, already know it. What, what his brothers had intended to do by, by selling him into slavery long ago, they meant for evil, but God was going to use it For his glory to bring about the salvation of millions of people. You already know that. We read it in the beginning, because I wanted you to understand that that's what's happening. So Joseph waits two years, and the whole time he is in the prison, he is serving and loving and caring for the prison. He is glorifying God in his actions. The whole time. He's not bitter, he's not upset, he hasn't gone back to his cell and said, Just, you know, screw this, I'm done, right? You know, I interpreted that dream because of God and look what it got me nothing. Because the dumb cupbearer didn't remember. No, he's continually serving God. He's continually working for his glory, doing the menial tasks of making sure a prison is running well for the sake of God's glory, with no hope of freedom. Until the night Pharaoh has his dreams, he can't get right. He just can't get them out of his head, and they're bothering him, and he can't get a good interpretation. And the cupbearer says, wait, I know a guy. I know a guy. He's a Hebrew. right?" And they're like, What's a Hebrew? It's like I don't know, but it's this guy. He's the only one we know of. I'm told they're somewhere like up in Israel. What's Israel? I don't know because it that doesn't exist yet. Right? It's like over here. <laughs> in my map. This is this. this is the Jordan River and the Sea of Galilee. This is Israel and Egypt's over here. I know it's reversed for you. It's okay. Get over it. It's my map. <laughs> so that's the promise that's remembered. Finally, it's, he goes right to Pharaoh, and it's perfect because God orchestrated exactly what's supposed to happen. He had a dream; he needs interpreted. Hey, I know a guy that can do that. So now, what happens? Well, makes sense. Pharaoh's like, well, then let's let's talk to this Hebrew guy. Verse fourteen. And Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. He was in a pit. That's that's sad, right? That's like prisons. That's what prisons were. I just I don't know if I painted. I'm sure this was a nicer pit. It's the Captain of the Guards, like, home pit. But still a pit. This is not a fun place. He pulls him out of prison. And when he had shaved himself... Now, I don't... No, I don't it's just a custom in Egypt. So don't, don't get bad out of shape. I don't know. Shaved himself. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... <laughs> they let him keep his beard. I'm, gonna go, no, I'm kidding. They'd shave that off. It's like a health issue. He's been in a pit. Can we get along with this? Not a lot of bathing. It's not, it's not the most hygienic area. So they're going like, to wash him and shave him and clean him up and give him new clothes. Okay? Because he's going to go before Pharaoh. Pharaoh, little God, little G-God. He can't be like smelling nasty like he's been bathed in four months. That's not going to work. Right? He can't be looking like every picture of a caveman that doesn't really exist in your history, your school textbooks. That's not what he... No. It's not going to work. This is Pharaoh's court. So they shave him, clean him up, give him some new clothes. It's a good idea because he's probably stinking. And he came in before Pharaoh. Verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now here's a big deal for Joseph, right? For a little tiny slave, he's now got an audience with Pharaoh. I want you to feel the way to how cool this is, right? This is like, I don't know, probably just like you getting to talk with the president. It's pretty cool. It'd be like very rare. Only imagine that you treated, like everybody else treats that president as God. That'd be one big difference. (laughs) Big difference. But that's kind of the idea here. He's going before Pharaoh, and this is a key moment. I want you to understand, pivotal, pivotal moment for Joseph. Because Pharaoh can kill people when he wants to, like for, say, a party on his birthday when he killed the baker, right? Just like as a, as a fun act, he can kill people. So he's not a good, small-g God, right? Because he's just a man. What's, what's Joseph going to do? Joseph said, and Pharaoh... Wait, we already said that part. Uh, here we go, verse 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not in me God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Did you hear that sentence? I want you to make sure you understand because you probably didn't, right? And if you grew up in a church, you didn't like, they didn't really give you the good weight that this sentence should have had. He just told God that he was incapable of getting an answer and that the real God would help him out, right? Right? That could be pretty offensive to said God that he's talking to. That's because that God is little g God, (laughs) He's not the big G God, right? And he's actually kind of new G. He ain't old G, right? He's not an OG. That was just a joke. God's always existed. Anyway, he literally tells Pharaoh, hey, I know you're God, but I'm going to use your name Pharaoh to make sure you understand that I'm not going to worship you as deity, right? You are Pharaoh. You are a ruler over all of Egypt, and God will help you in your incredible inaccur- ina- inadequacy as a human. Now, he could be killed now, literally just murdered you don't have to to understand that not like gone also I submit that as a keeper of a prison and a slave this might be a good idea to pull clout right yes Sparrow, I will totally tell you your dream because I know dreams really well but if I do maybe you could I don't know give me something Like, maybe I could not be a prisoner anymore and not be enslaved. It's a good time to, like, maybe sell yourself a little bit. He doesn't. He sells God. He pushes God because God's going to do it. And he wants Pharaoh to meet God. He's risking his life so Pharaoh can meet God. Which, (laughs) let's be honest, if on on a good day, if we were to, like, talk to someone about God, the most we would be risking is them not caring... He's going to risk his life so that Pharaoh gets to meet God. Let's keep reading. We're not going to uh, go through the whole dreams again because we just read them. So I'm not skipping the Bible because it's not important. I'm skipping it because we just read the dreams that Pharaoh had. So Pharaoh tells him all the dreams. And we'll pick it up in verse 25. It says this. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. It's like, wait a second, I had two. No, they're the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do is again deferring to God. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. And the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means that this thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, now wait a second. He just gave him the dreams. He just gave him what they mean. He's revealed to him something he could not have known himself because God told him. And he's letting Pharaoh know God loves and cares for you. He gave you dreams so that you could know what was going to happen. Which, if you don't see as grace from God, I don't know how else to word it for you. He was God was telling Pharaoh that, hey, your whole kingdom will die. So it's just a big grace moment for God to give Pharaoh, who thinks he's deity, who rules over people as God, that God would love him enough to give him these dreams. Love him enough that Joseph would be in the exact situation so that he could save Egypt. Now, what's he going to do that he's told them? Well, now he's going to go even a bit further than I think is really necessary. He's going to keep going. Verse 33, he's going to give Pharaoh some advice. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth I think I hope you see this. Like, that's pretty generous of, of Joseph. Hey, I know I'm a slave, right? I gave you your dream. I'm just gonna throw out an idea to you because you need to understand this needs to be taken care of. Right? Where does he get one fifth? you read that? There's one fifth of the grain. All the good seven years that are gonna come about, right? You're gonna have seven great years of of crops and just big fat cows that are attractive. You've got seven years of that. And then you're going to have seven horrible years. And so bad will the seven horrible years be that you will not even be able to remember the seven good years. So take a fifth, right? Put people in charge, space them out, and a fifth of all the grain that is grown, take it and store it up. Because if you do that, you will survive the famine. And it gets us to understand that Joseph once so badly for Pharaoh to understand that God is God and that he is not. That he's not only, that, wh- what has Joseph asked for at this point? Nothing. He is, he is not only interpreting the dream, he's going to solve the problem, right? He's got, he's got nothing left. There's no cards to play now, right? I would have held something a little closer to the chest, right? I would have been like, I got four twos and I'm not telling you, right? I got an ace in the pocket and you're not going to know. But he's like, no, uh, here's the problem, here's the solution. You can save your people now. Because God is awesome. And you're not him. At this point, Joseph could simply go back to prison. That's where he came from and where he can return. Right? This isn't a transaction. This isn't like some sort of bartering or business deal. This was simply, hey, slave, prisoner, come up here and interpret my dreams. There was no conditional clause like, and if you do so, great rewards will be yours. No, it's like, all right, Hebrew, what do you know? That's it. (sighs) But God's going to, really, I think Pharaoh at this point actually does get to understand something of God because he's about to really do a lot of talking about him, which is weird for a God to talk about another God. (laughs) You'd think that would supersede some of his sovereignty. It does, actually. So after Joseph's going to lay out this plan for him, right, to save the land of Egypt, we're going to get Pharaoh's response. Verse 37, this proposal... Wait, did I skip over? Yeah, no. Verse 37, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Wow, that's a big deal for God to admit that the Spirit of God actually resides in another man, Awesome. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, "Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command, only as regards the throne will I only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, "See, I have set you over the land of Egypt. Stop there. i am going to include the rest of the chapter with the next week's teaching. All right. So without any hope for himself, he lets Pharaoh meet God. Right? God, he gets out of the way. This isn't about Joseph. It's all about God. God's going to reveal to you your dream. And God is showing you what's going to happen in your land. And rightly observed, yet again, the will, the spirit of God in Joseph is seen by people that don't know God. And they notice that that's going to actually be really beneficial to them. So Pharaoh says if God's in you and you understand this stuff, why don't you be in charge? And <laughs> this is a crazy turnaround, right? You understand? Slave, prisoner, like next to Pharaoh. Right? That's a big step up in position. Can I submit that? Like the only thing you, here's what you can not do, Joseph. You can't be me but you can be everything else, (laughs) right? You're in charge of it all. What you want to do, what you say to do, nothing will happen in Egypt that is not okay with you. That's what he's going to tell, Joseph. That's the level of power he now possesses. That's a big turnaround. I don't know about you, but I think if that was my kind of turnaround, like if all of a sudden I got a call up and it was like, hey, uh, every uh, form of democracy is broken down, our republic is in total chaos, and um, will you be president? Like, if that were to happen, I hope you understand that there's a long process, that that would actually never happen. That's kind of what that would be. Like, you know, there's like lots of people in line to be president should something really crazy happen. So for me to get a phone call and that to happen, that's pretty much what it would be like, and also the country would fall apart. So, <laughs> but that's that's not the case, because Joseph... Does what God calls him to do. And so there's lots of questions that you can ask here. Like, Joseph has been humble this whole time, right? Joseph has suffered. How do you suffer, right? Um, Joseph Joseph is constantly deferring to God. When is the last time you even thought about deferring to God? I want you to think of of the last time something you did something great. Something good, I don't care, you can be anywhere. Work, you got a great, great like, test grade, somebody asked you for help with something because they saw that you were, and you were like, wow, well, thank you God, right? No, you like, it went right past you like that and you automatically consumed it into your own glory. Like you just like, yes, I will teach you algebra. Hmm, because you're so amazing. Thank you for being amazing. Right, and did you use it as a tool to somehow bring God glory in any way? Did you like establish relationship, or no? Like you, re- I will teach you this thing, and then we will move on. Servant, peon, small, nothing in the wake of my greatness. Right, I don't care Where do you, wherever you work. Right, maybe you just I don't know you got a bump up in pay, and you think, oh wow, man, I was really observed for my amazing work ethic. Right, or God is very gracious to me that I would even get a bump up and raise maybe somehow someone's seen me work hard by accident and I could use that for God's glory. We don't. we just gloss over it. And everything that Joseph has done is to been, has been about redeeming a culture and he's going to get the opportunity now to sit on a throne <laughs> to rule Egypt. If you want a good like, position from which to like, start blasting Jesus' name, that's probably pretty good, right? A lot of people going to pay attention and listen. And that's where Joseph sits. So that's what's going to happen to all of you if you... No, that's not what I'm saying. All right? Don't, like, gear up for your throne. Don't, like, send me an email and ask me when it's coming in the mail. The point is that when you seek God's glory, you're going to get the opportunity to give it. Right? Like, this is who God is. If you're not seeking God's glory, you will never... You'll never get to show it. Like, the fact that God commands... His people to glorify him is, is a gift, right? I just want you to understand if you don't know Jesus tonight, there's no way for you to glorify God. There's no way. The Bible clearly outlines the fact that before we know the full weight of Christ and his sacrifice, before you understand God's salvation, we are dead. And dead people don't do anything. They, they, they're they dead, right? It's like they're like doing wonderful, amazing things. They're just dead. And actually, at the understanding of God's plan of salvation, God literally reaching down into human history and giving us Jesus Christ, right? In eternity past, looking towards the Messiah that was coming, understanding now that since, since creation, they, they looked forward, now we, have that, now we actually look back to Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, that God came down as God and man, lived a life we couldn't live, died on a cross, not only paying our penalty for our sins, but then three days later rising from the death, conquering death and sin. Now when we understand that fully, that that is what God did for us because he loved us, we get the opportunity then to enter into life. Because prior to that point, you can't do anything but what you want. You can't do anything but your own filth and sin. You can only live in death. And at that point, you can then enter into life and you can walk in newness of life and actually bring about, um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can actually do God's will right? in this awesome exchange where the Holy Spirit works through you and the actions that you do actually bring about God's glory. Because prior to that, and you couldn't. You just worked for your glory. That's all that's all you had to do. And and we don't see it as a gift. Like we see it as like a drudgery. Like, oh my gosh, I have to do God's will. I have to bring him glory. It's gonna be so hard. I just wanna sit in my underwear and watch Netflix. Or whatever other app you use to watch it. Right? I just wanna I just wanna eat fried food that's delivered to me by a high school student. That's relatively cheap. I don't want to get. I don't want to engage with people. I don't want to enter into a workforce. I don't want to actually work my job hard. I don't want to love people in it. I don't want to reach into a church community and be known by people because they might know that I'm not that great. And then, God forbid, they know that I'm not that great. That they know that I, I actually need Jesus, right? And then, oh heaven forbid, that I reach outside of a church community into a community and a culture to redeem it and bring it back under Christ. I don't want to do any of that. It's a gift. Joseph lived it like it was a gift. Like, it was all that he wanted to do. And now he has an awesome position. We're going to see him, like, reach. He's literally, he's literally going to save millions and millions of lives. Should this not happen, Israel dies in one more chapter. Israel never has 12 tribes. This never becomes a nation of God's people that are supposed to call people to Jesus, which they tend to, you know, miss, like the church does now. Um, and, and, and that never gets to happen. That never happens if this doesn't happen right now. All of his brothers die. His dad dies. Most of, almost all of Egypt dies. We're looking at a huge, like history is going to be incre- tremendously altered if not this point right here. Crazy. You didn't even think about it. You didn't even know it. Like Joseph, I know he had something to do with dreams and he wore a fancy coat, right? You didn't know that should this not happen, all of history is altered to this point. That's where he's now, right now, glorifying God in this story at this point. For our benefit, now, thousands of years later. Awesome. What are you doing? What the heck are you doing? It's not a chore. It's a joy. It's awesome. In fact, it's all that you were made for, to worship God. That's it. Nothing else. That's the sum total of your existence was to glorify God. And if you didn't know that, if you walked in here thinking it was about glorifying yourself, I want you to know that ends in hopelessness. And that at your last breath, there is nothing left for you. But joy comes in the glory of God. So that's what we got to respond tonight. We want to redeem a culture. We're this little church that's about the world around us. That's why there's 19 events that all center around loving people inside Glassboro or Gloucester County at large, inside the South Jersey. That's why that's that's what we do you're like where's the light show and like where's the entertainment and I don't I want to be entertained Entertained? that's not what we do we don't we, we come in here we learn about Jesus Christ we invite people to learn with us we bring them inside but that's this is a small part go out that's what we're about go out and be Jesus out there so when you respond where are you going to be Jesus this week Joseph was going to do it in slavery he was going to do it in prison it didn't matter now he's going to do it from a throne you think, it's, you think it's awesome deflecting as a prisoner to Jesus, right? Like, oh, you're a prisoner. Yeah, deflect all you want, right? When you're in the throne and you deflect to God, that's a huge deal, right? You could rule, but I'm not going to. God does. Anything that I rule through is through him. Where are you going to deflect to Jesus this week? Where are you going to bring his glory and honor in your week? Your job? Your home? Right? It's going to be really hard at your home. Probably a little easier at your job. Still hard, Right? Class a little easier again. Really, who cares, right? What, what are you going to see these people for? Maybe four years. All right, that's not how long college lasts. Maybe like eight years, right? And then, <laughs> right, but that's it. You know, at home's hard. You live with people. You know them. They know you. Where are you going to bring? Where are going to bring glory to God? So the the worship is going to come up. We're going to sing one more song. We have a moment to pray. Talk to God. Where's God calling you to bring his glory and honor this week? Then we're going to sing a song. Then uh, we're going to go out rejoicing. Uh, respond is also a time where you can give. You can uh, give uh, gifts and offering if you'd like to. Uh, it's an act of worship to God, so we would really strongly encourage it. If not here to your church, it's totally fine. It's just an act of worship. Uh, so give as generously as you can. There's a, a box in the back. It's black. So there's the only black box in the room. what is What? Oh, we're using a hat this week. It's a black hat, though. Uh, it's a black cowboy ish hat. Use that hat to, uh, to put your gifts and offerings in. It's very official. Um, pray to God, talk about where, you, where, you, uh, where He's calling you to change, and then uh, rejoice in song because He can do it and will do it in your life.